Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend, having a good time when the orange and blue WIN. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, coming to you today from the Blake Street Tavern. A big shout out to Blake Street Tavern for hosting us uh, on short notice, Zach, because we just came from the Pat Bowen tribute and, and celebration of life and, and his career at the stadium. And man, w- what an incredible, incredible, not only outpouring of support from Broncos country, but for the organization, the, the, the tribute that they put together for Pat was second to none and, and, and really highlights how first class the Broncos are in every way. A massive shout out to Patrick Smythe, the Broncos organization, the Bolin family, and the fans as well. Ryan, this, you could have told me, try to imagine the best possible tribute that, that could happen. And I wouldn't have come close to this. I wouldn't have come close. And it started right when you walked in. And mm. there is the the famous words, Mr. B, in flowers, what, 20 feet high? <laughs> I'd say maybe closer to 12 to 15. Okay. But, man, like you said, right when you walk in, it is vast, it is special, it is beautiful. And, Zach, you said that the flowers that they brought in for the uh, for the entire thing were brought in from Hawaii. Yep, some of uh, at least some of them were, and I mean it makes sense because uh, of course Pat's connection to Hawaii, but there was no expense spared w- with this. It was incredible, not not just uh, you know with with how many flowers were brought in and how good everything looked, but also the small things. Not only did they have you know a replica. 
uh, of some of the things that Mr. Bullen had. They also had the fur coat, the real one. Mm. They also had photos, personal photos uh, that his family brought in. It was it was incredible. It really was, and and you said no expense spared. That's a fact. Uh, you know, we spoke to a source about the ceremony, or I don't know exactly what you want to call it, a tribute, tribute that they put together, and they said, you know, uh, we only get to do this once. This is the owner of the Denver Broncos. There's no reason to hold back on anything, and it showed. It showed as they put on an incredible tribute, and man. I have to give a massive shout out to every member of of the Bullen family because they stood there and through all the emotion and through all the sadness and and all the things that are going through their minds right now, they stood there and shook the hands of over 3,000 Broncos fans and they listened to their stories and they laughed with them and they cried with them and, and Broncos fans were crying and the family's crying and they're laughing and it was incredible and and like i said i have to give a shout out to them because two things i guess here really quick one pat bullen would have signed off on this if it was for anyone but himself he would have said this is how we have to do it it has to be perfect it has to be the most over the top you know we need a a, a 20 foot wall of flowers with a picture like this is the way that he would have had it and so great on the broncos and like you said patrick smythe for putting this together in a first-class fashion. But the, the family and the way they treated all the fans, that I think of all the things that Pat Bowen would have been proud of, the way things were, were done today, that's what I think he would have been the most proud of. Every member of the family standing there and talking and hugging and, and like I said, crying and laughing and sharing all these emotions with, with the people that make this franchise run, you know, and, and the people that meant so much to Pat Bowen. So a huge shout-out to the family because they – did it right we knew that media was or or that the family was going to be made available for this ryan i i imagined uh, they'd have one family member out there for 10 minutes at a time and and kind of rotate uh kind of put them in a back corner so that they don't have to talk to very many people i was blown away that they all talked to every single person it was absolutely tremendous, and I think it was very cool for them as well. Um, whether it was, what, seven, eight-year-old boys and girls club members that came through, or whether it was, you know, 90-year-olds in wheelchairs and everything in between, from fans that were dressed in suits to fans that were, you know, had the Darth Vader mask on as they walked through and just absolutely decked out in Broncos clothes. It was really cool. And we spent the majority of our time in there uh, with the Bolin family in the same room as them, watching them interact with everyone. It was so cool because you could tell that it meant a lot to them as well. And uh, Ryan, like you said, it's, it was quite a task for them as well. This is, what, four days after their father passed away, and they get to listen to these stories and, like you said, laugh and cry. And for five hours greeting 5,000 people by day's end, and right next to it, in the same room, as you you walk down the line of getting to talk to to all the members of the Bolin family, 
it's an even more impressive display of flowers because the Mr. B, probably 12, 13 feet high. This, what? That was, that was 20. And what was it, 20 by 40? Yeah. Of just flowers with, with a, a, a beautiful picture of, of Pat. It was, uh, it was really special and emotional and, and all sorts of stuff. And again, hat, my hat goes off to the family um, because it, it did feel important to them. And it felt like they truly cared to listen to these people. You know, I was watching closely because I had no idea what to expect from these interactions. I was watching closely to see, okay, well, are they moving people along? Are they trying to, you know, keep it to thank you, we appreciate it, bye. And it wasn't that way. It was, you got a five-minute story? Go ahead. Tell yep. your five-minute story. You, yep. you know, you want to you wanna hug it out? Let's hug it out. You want to cry? Let's cry. You know, it was... It was really cool, and, and like I said, I think Pat Bowen would be so, so proud to see the way uh, his family interacted with the fans today from top to bottom, you know, and um, <clears throat> we mentioned it being important to them and, and carrying on Pat's legacy, and Zach, I think today is a fair time for us to transition into what's next for the Broncos. I think enough time has passed, and, and being around Brittany and Beth especially today has it fresh on my mind. So I've said it once. I'll say it again. I will say it until the day that she's the owner. Brittany Bowen should be the owner of this team. Bar none. Not a question to me. Um, she is all class. She's extremely bright. She will have her father's legacy in the back of her mind all the time. And I've talked about this before, but let's not act like this is some job. It's not brain surgery. Even though Jeff Breidich wants to compare brain surgery to running a, a, a franchise, it's it's not brain surgery. If it was brain surgery, Brittany Bowen could probably do that too. <laughs> but this job is about putting people in positions of power that you trust, having good instincts about those people, uh, conducting yourself with class, um, and representing the organization. There's not day-to-day minutiae that would be really difficult and again if it was I would trust Brittany Bowen to deal with that but it's not and to me I, I don't care about her age you know I think she's plenty old enough to run the team so for me it's it's easy this is easy don't wait don't you know uh, drag your feet when it comes to this make Brittany Bowen the owner Allow her to carry on her father's legacy, and I think she's, she will do a fantastic job of that. So where are we? What has changed since Pat passed away? The answer is nothing. Nothing. Nothing has changed. And Joe, if there were any questions, even though we knew this, Joe Ellis made it very clear nothing has changed. Even Just because Pat passed, he's set this trust up so that when he was no longer here, it was going to be able to run. Now, unfortunately... The trust had to kick in a little bit earlier uh, be, because of the, the terrible disease he was battling. But so nothing, nothing has changed because of him passing with the ownership. And I guess there's one little tiny thing that changed. Up until last week, if someone asked you who owns the Broncos, you could still say Pat Bolin owns the Broncos. Right. Now you would have to say the the team is uh owned by the trust yeah it's being controlled or, run by the trust right or i guess the team is owned by the bolin family right and controlled by the trust that's the only thing it's a little murky there that's about the only thing that's changed but you're right other than that 
it's not like the NFL said, well, once he passes away, you got to make a decision. It's not like that. So where were we before this happened and people forgot, oh, how, is, how are things going to change? We were in a, in a position where it was pretty clear a few years ago that the trust, made up of three members, the trust wanted Brittany Bolin to join the team and start working in some capacity with them. Well, we found out this year that she is, in fact, going to do that. And kind of a process that seems sped up to some people. But by the end of this year, she is going to be working for the Denver Broncos. What other Bolins are being brought in to work for the Denver Broncos, period? I'll just leave it to you at that. Yeah, um, Patrick Bolin works with the grounds team uh, in some capacity. So other than that... But being brought back into none? Now... How many Bolins are being brought in to work for the team at a high level? Kind None. of seemingly, she's going to be Joe Ellis's right-hand person, right? That's what it feels like, and it's not. It, it's we know what's happening here. It's obvious, you know. It's not like they're trying to take to keep this under wraps. Exactly. So that's where we stand right now. Is in terms of the succession plan. What the trust wants is Pat Bolin wanted the trust to identify, if they could, identify the, the, his, the child that, has, is that is, most fit. is most fit to take over the team. And if there wasn't, then that's when, they're look, uh, that's when they should look to sell. Brittany's fit. Oh, Brittany yeah. is 100% fit to own this team. So what could derail that? Well, there's... Uh, a few different things going on. The NFL is has their uh, oh, who is it? Carmen policy huh. reviewing uh, the policy of what's going on here. He should have that wrapped up by the end of the year. That's not as hard of a deadline, but it should be sometime around then. And that's to see if the NFL should step in and if they're if if the trust is following Pat Bolin's wishes or not. That just to give you my feeling on talking to people. The NFL is going to side with the trust and side with the Broncos, so that's not going to be an issue. And then there, there's something else going on in court right now um, with, what, Pat's brother? Yep. Bill. Um, and is... Beth is not directly involved. Okay, okay. so so it's it's his brother. That, Who is essentially suing on behalf of Beth. Right, saying that the trust is not following in the wishes. That could take a, an interesting turn in court, but right now... The, the trust isn't that worried about that. So we are on the path, Ryan, of at some point uh, Brittany Bolin being the owner of this team. Now, what I don't know and what I can't get a feeling for is if that's in a year, probably not in a year, if it's five years, if it's ten years, and how much longer it stays in the hands of the trust. It feels like three years is a good time amount of time. When Brittany Bolin is in the building for three years, what more could she possibly do, you know? And you know to me, I would, I would do it after one. I'm si- this is done. Come on. Let's get, let's get this thing over with. What is she going to learn over five, ten years that she can't learn as the owner? You know, and she, if she wants to, she can keep Joe Ellis around. And Joe Ellis can, you know, assist her on every single decision. How would that change anything about what's happening right now, except for there wouldn't be all this BS back and forth? 
And there's a lot of people, um, and, and maybe one part of the lawsuit, uh, that is upset about how much the trust is making. Obviously, Joe Ellis uh, is you know the president uh, and CEO of the Broncos, so he's getting paid through that. I think the trust may also be paying him as well. And, and I think Over six figures. I think it may be like, I think it's even in those documents, like two hundred and to three hundred thousand dollars to be on the trust so just as that was a cushy little gig that uh pat bowen created for those folks and so some people say why would the trust why would those three people want to move away from that money why are they getting paid right it to to help out a friend and a in a in a confidant that should be a that that it's not a hard thing to do no i mean unless they're hiring like pi's following around all the kids and, th- and that's their you know stipend i doubt that'd that. be coming out of their pocket though right <laughs> so there are parts of this that i understand and you know it's a little odd the way it's set up is a little odd um and you you what you were getting to and i'll let you continue here in a second is that why would they why would they want the trust to end if they're getting paid that much money every year and so why would britney not say Okay, clearly we have enough money to keep a few people around. Joe, it's time to give me the team so we can resolve this ownership. Because regardless, even if it goes swimmingly, is it better to have the, the Broncos ownership in a trust or in a person? It's person. It's better to have it in a person, 100%. So why would Brittany not say, look, Joe, I'm going to keep you on as president and CEO, give you your same salary, and I'll give you a raise of what the trust was paying you. I mean, that, that makes sense. Now, the two other people may be hosed out of that, but it is a very interesting dilemma where the trust would have no reason to pass up on a few hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars. I, I just had a question come into my mind that I don't know if has ever been asked or answered. Oh. Does the trust have to be unanimous in the decision? I don't know. Can it be a two of three thing? It's a good question. I don't know how Pat set it up. I wonder if that was ever even. You would think it'd be a two, two person vote, right? Does it come to a vote? Is that a thing, or like do they have have to? Do they have have a monthly meeting where they sit down and they do the rankings? Gosh, you'd hope that if they are getting paid a couple hundred thousand dollars, they could at least do a monthly meeting. A book club? <laughs> How does this work? And at the very end, after discussing the book, they're like, what do you guys think? Oh, we need, we need another few books until we make a decision. I'm, I'm confused. I, I, I guess that's, a, that's something we can dig up. I, I, I would assume that it has to be a three of three thing. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a, that's a good question. But you're right. Joe should be on Brittany's side. And uh, the trust as a whole is on Brittany's side. But in Joe, for Joe, m- maybe he wants to retire. So maybe it's that. Maybe that's part of it. He wants to name the owner and then get out of there. And, that, and so that's why she's going to work under Joe Ellis for two to three years. And then as soon as she takes a job, she'll be fully ready. You're exactly right about that. And, Ryan, you said it's not brain surgery. What is this job about? It's about, in my opinion, instincts. doing it the right way. It's about instincts, which is what Joe and John Bull talked about yesterday. And instincts in surrounding yourself with the right people. That's what it is. And it's about making sure that your businesses run properly enough where you can afford those, those correct people. 
But if you if you if you start yourself off in a good position by surrounding yourself with good people at first, it's gonna take off. You're gonna be fine. Then Brittany can decide how hands-on she wants to be. Does she want to be like her dad and be in there every single day and know exactly what's going on, but still let those people make decisions? Does she want to be a Jerry Jones type where she's making business decisions, GM decisions, coach decisions, all of that? I'm not saying she would do that. In fact, I don't think she would. I think she would do what her dad did, but owners can do that. Or does she want to be a very hands-off type where, yeah, I own the team and I'm I'm just there for the years. I'm just waiting for five years down the road where my team doubles, 10 years down the road where I add another couple billion, and then I'm going to sell it. I think she would be very much like her father, but it shows you it's not that difficult. There's so many different paths you can take, and as long as you hire the right people, then you're fine. Couldn't agree more. And again, I think you guys, and I'm talking to the fans here, are going to love Brittany Bowen when she becomes the owner because I think that that's where we're headed here, and, and I think we, you know, we've talked about it. It's obvious. I think the fans are going to love her, and I think there's really a chance. You know, The football success will have to be there. It always does. But you know, as we talk about that, that's going to be number one for her because that's what, that's what her father's legacy was. As long as the winning is there, and there are a lot of factors. I, I can't guarantee that Brittany Bowen's going to put a winning football team out there because in the end, it's, it's, not, it's mostly not going to be on her shoulders anyway. It's going to be you know, on a GM and a football coach and you know, a, the scouting staff and all that. But I can see a scenario where Brittany Bowen becomes owner of this team, the team continues to have success, and she, become, she goes down as beloved as her father. Yeah, and it's clear, the fan, clear from today the fans loved her father – She's going to embody him, and you could have another 35 years or even more because when her dad took over, what, Pat was 40, 41, I think, 42? Right now, Brittany's 29 years old. So we do think it's a few years until this happens, but why not another 35 years, 40 years? And I should mention, I found this out the other day. I don't know if we'd ever put nailed this down. Dan Snyder was 32 when he took over the Redskins. Right, right. There is precedent. Now, I... I we will certainly hope that Brittany Bowen does a better job than Dan Snyder, and I and I think she would. Um, but to me, there's so much to this that doesn't have to do like you don't need a billion. Do you want some guy? Do you want some guy running the Broncos? John always said it yesterday. He doesn't have the money to be an owner, and now they, he could put together a group, and Peyton Manning could put together a group. But even then, people need to realize they could essentially appoint whoever this group is. You could essentially appoint Peyton Manning as some sort of figurehead or, or John Elliott. They would not be the owner because the NFL requires one person to have a majority ownership. So someone's got to own at least 51%. That Peyton Manning and John Elliott do not have the money to own 51% of the Broncos. It's not possible. So... Even if they're part of this group and, and they're, they're a figurehead that is at the forefront of the organization, they will not be the owner. And billionaire X, whoever this guy is, can, at his whim, move the Broncos to Mexico City. Now, that would be a silly thing to do considering that this is a fantastic football market. But is Brittany Bolenzak going to move the Broncos to Mexico City? 
Of course not. Of course not. Is Brittany Bolin going to sell the team at some point to the highest bidder? I personally don't think so. I don't think so as well. So, to me, I get why some people are saying, well, let's get someone in here who's qualified or whatever. The qualifications are minimal. To me, this is about much, much more than simply age or anything like that. It's about keeping the the team in the hands of someone who wakes up in the morning and thinks about what would Pat Bowen do. You talked about John Elway really quick, and I think that's an important thing to bring up. John Elway yesterday was asked by Mike Kliss on all the speculation that's out there about potentially wanting to be an owner. And this is John's response. This is how I imagine he said it. No, no, I don't have the money. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish that wasn't an issue. So does John Elway want to be the owner? I'm sure he does. Who wouldn't want to be? Of course he does. I want to be the owner. Of course. Again, course. because I just said I don't think qualifications are that that ridiculous. <laughs> I think, I think, and again, this is not to diminish anything that I've said about Brittany Bowen and her, and her ability to own the team. But I think you or I could walk in and own the Broncos tomorrow and do a fine job. I truly believe that. So why would this not happen? Why would it not go to Brittany? It's potentially that that lawsuit um, does work, and it does it does break it up where uh, the law or the NFL says, okay, guys, you just this is getting too messy. We're not going to be able to resolve this because the family is broken up right now. Um, so just just sell it, and then the profits will be split between the seven children. Well, Ryan, we're finding out today uh, that the family is very unified right now, and they do not want division, uh, the, their perception that they're divided, to be out there anymore. They, they believe that they're one. And if they're one, then to me it, it's easy, right? It, it will go to who the trust identifies as the, the proper person, the right fit to take over because... That's what their father, that's what Pat wanted, was he wanted it to stay in the family if possible. So to me, and I think to you, it's only a matter of time. And, you know, what you mentioned, you know, what type of owner Brittany would be. I can see Brittany down there on the sidelines with a baseball cap and a Cherry Hills Country Club, you know, uh, quarter zip on, taking in practice just the way her dad would have. And, and I look forward to that day because for me, when the day comes and they say that Brittany Bowen's going to become the next owner of the Broncos, it's going to be a really great day for Broncos country. All right, let's take a break here. And when we come back on the other side, we will get to your questions. I know a lot of people are still wanting to pay their respects to, to Mr. Bowen. So we'll get to all that on the other side. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, executive director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40-plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have a trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. 
The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org. Long here on the BSN Broncos podcast coming to you from Blake Street Tavern. Pretty much my favorite place in all of Denver. One of the, the sad things about moving down to the Tech Center, Zach, is that I'm further away from this place. But I've already been here twice since I moved, so <laughs> I think I'll be okay. That's not slowing you down. No, nothing can keep me away from my, uh, my second home. All right, this next one here comes in, I believe, from Andre in Brazil. Uh, he says, probably um, my post didn't make it on the last episode, so I'm reposting it. Hey, BSN family, Andre from Ajai, Brazil here. Good call. I, I called it. Very sad about Mr. B. Initially, I had a very long comment, but I decided to keep it quick instead. Once I heard that being a Broncos, once I heard that being a Broncos fan was way more than football, it was a way of life that stayed in my memory. Thank you, Mr. B. Your mission uh, of installing a mentality in the Denver Broncos is accomplished because that changed, and I believe it will continue to change ways of life over the ocean like you did with me. You changed the life of people across the world. Well done. Pretty cool. He goes on and says, when I was doing my research on a team to support in the NFL, Mr. B had a heavy weight on my decision because of everything he made the Broncos represent. And I was one million percent sure that I made the right decision when I did the tour in our Mile High Stadium. That place smells victory, smells championship. Great work ethic, serious work. I love my Broncos. I kind of think it smells like beer and throw up. <laughs> Not the club we were in today. But if that's what Victor, <laughs> yeah, where we were today smelled like fresh flowers. It did, from Hawaii. And there were thousands of dollars worth of fresh flowers surrounding us. Thousands he, of thousands. And he finishes by saying, well, thanks once again, RK and Zach. Keep up the great work that you guys do. And just like Mr. B, you two are also able to change lives with your mic on. Oh, man, that is, that is so powerful. Thank you, Andre. And the other LH. The real in, LH. says the real, <laughs> real LH here reminds me of uh, like a, something in a Slim Shady song. Ah, uh, yes. He says the real, real LH here. Just to chime in and say I agree with everything he said, especially the part of changing lives. Several of my days become better because of listening to Ryan's puns and Zach's giggles. You make me laugh out loud several times when the days were dark. I don't feel the same as you all do in Denver because my Broncos fandom stretches for less than a decade. I'll tell my story on another pod, but I know how important he was. I feel the impact of everything he did, and one of the things I'm most thankful for is the BSN community. You guys are awesome. Much love. Man, that, uh, that made my day. Uh, yep. You know, it's always special to hear from you guys and, and hear, you know, that you love the podcast and it, it, it really never gets old. I, I love that. <laughs> but to hear that, you know, it, it, that we can help someone when they're having a bad day just by doing what we love to do, which is talk to you guys on this podcast. That's pretty special. Yeah, that is. That means so, so much. And just echo you made my day. Uh, and, and to go on to, you know, what Pat Bullen meant to Colorado, the economic impact is really immeasurable but i can tell you this if pat bolin wasn't around there's probably a good chance that bsn denver is never around uh because you know sports in this state would not be where they were when one day brandon spano and i sat there and said the coverage isn't good enough these fans deserve better it's mm, a really good point 
All right, going on here, the next one is from Steve Atwater Hall of Fame, who has a question for Perna, who will be on the podcast tomorrow. Obviously, with, with the celebration today and us being there, we didn't really know what our schedule was going to look like. We ended up being there for quite a few hours. Uh, so we just rescheduled with Perna. He'll be on the podcast tomorrow. So if you have questions like Steve Atwater Hall of Fame for the great Brandon Perna, uh, make sure to get them in on, tonight, on this podcast and we will uh, go over them with him tomorrow. Man, it's going to be a fun one. Next one coming in from Dom, Dom Siglo. Siglo. I, I had it. I had it. All right, all right. <laughs> Says, I can't wait for the Hall of Fame game. It will be amazing to see so many Broncos fans together to celebrate Mr. B and Champ. Will you guys be out and about during the game or in a press box? Maybe a meet and greet before the game. Um, we'll be in the press box, but I would love to organize something in Canton where we can all get together. Bet a lot of our, uh, a lot of our community is going to be there. I've at least already heard of five or six. Oh yeah. And that's enough for us to sit down and have a beer. Ab- so. Absolutely. He goes on to say, another topic I thought about was uniforms. After seeing how the bears are bringing back a new take on a classic uniform for the 100th season. Could we see the comeback of the yellow and brown uniforms for Denver? Or maybe even a totally new alternate uniform idea to represent the future? Can't wait to hear your input on this. I love that you brought up the uniforms today because I loved a little bit in the Sam Adams story we, were, we ran yesterday. And make sure you read it. Uh, it's a really cool look. And, and it brought a perspective that Zach and I simply can't bring. Uh, the interactions of a beat reporter with Pat Bowen. You know, Zach and I unfortunately never got the chance to interact with Mr. B when he was in charge of the team. But Sam Adams, who was a longtime beat reporter of the Broncos, shares his story. So make sure you read that. Um, but he brought up the uniforms. And it's funny you bring up the Bears in this. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently Sam had said the blue would be closer to what the Bears were, were using. And so the Denver Post at the time, or I guess it was the Rocky, Rocky Mountain News at the time used a picture of a Bears uniform as the front page of the picture. <laughs> and Pat Bowen did not like that at all. He said, we're not going to look like the damn Bears. <laughs> so it's funny that you brought that up. Um, for the sake of the corneas and other retinas and other pieces of the eyeballs of, of the good folks in Broncos country, I surely hope they don't bring back the orange and, or the yellow and browns. Um, but I would say the Broncos are due for a, a uniform update. A full update, full not update. just one for the 100th. Full update. Got any hints that it's coming? You know, there when, when Nike got the uniforms back, and that would have been 2013-ish, I was convinced the Broncos would be one of the early teams to get a rebrand. And remember, the Seahawks got a rebrand, the Jags got a rebrand... The Titans have a rebrand. We could go on. Jets just got a rebrand. I was convinced the Broncos would be early on the list. I wonder if there's just not a desire in the organization to change. you got to think it would be a good business decision. They'd sell so many jerseys. They would sell a lot of jerseys, and if you ever needed cash for any reason, that would be a great uh, opportunity. Jerseys, gear. I mean, whenever the Buffs change their uniforms, I'm going in and getting stuff. So I, I totally understand the business behind that. But remember, Zach, the Broncos were 0 for in Super Bowls before they changed to these uniforms. Now they're 3 for 4. Mm. I wonder if they feel like this this is the uniform that will live on forever. You know, one of those, the Browns or, uh, you know, Alabama or whatever. You know, the uniform that you just stay with and never change. One thing I would like to see for this year is throw it back to the orange jersey. Not 
the color rush jersey, but the orange with the white pants. I'd love to see that for a game or two. Make that. That'd be that'd be fun. To go to the throwback, the right, full for throwback. For the throwback, Because exactly. they already do orange and white at home games. Exactly. But, but truly go that full. You know, this might be an unpopular take. I think if they want to throw it back, they should throw it back to when the blue jerseys were the primary home jerseys. I think they're so much better. I feel like it's whatever you don't have is what you want. What I like about it is the blue with the white pants. The con- There's a high contrast there. Those look good on night games. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they just always look good because there's so much contrast there. And the orange on white just isn't quite as much contrast. It doesn't look as good to me. Gosh, I feel like every time Peyton wore that, they just lit it up. They definitely wore that in that Green Bay game, the one game in 2015 that they looked like a Super Bowl team, <laughs> except for you know, when they were hoisting the Lombardi trophy. Next one coming in from VA Beach Broncos. That's Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach. Yeah, yeah. I was just reading it as it is. He says, hey, gang, great coverage these past couple of pods of Mr. B's honors, especially for those of us listening away from God's country and unable to receive the local news. This helps us feel connected to home. Even if you lived here, you don't you don't need the local local news. You can just deal. You can have us. Yeah, we're we're good. There are many things that make Mr. Mr. Bolin unique as a person and an NFL owner. Let me focus on one. The strange, somewhat obscure record the Broncos held for nearly half a century of not having back-to-back losing seasons. This was always an important record to me as a displaced Broncos fan. This is because I have lived in Ohio, Illinois, California, New England, and Virginia, and I've seen the effect that consecutive losing seasons have on a fan base. At some point, communities begin to lose hope, get embarrassed, and the base dwindles. Mr. B took over a respectable franchise, which hadn't had back-to-back losing seasons for 13 years when he bought the team. But then, against incredible odds in a league built on parity, meaningless, meaningless salary cap notwithstanding, he continued that streak for another 34 years. Even if he had started without the 13-year head start, he would have beaten the second-place team in that category, the Packers, by six seasons. Not only the winning seasons, but playoff success that was never very far in Denver's rearview mirror meant the Broncos fans always enter the season, the next season, with hope. Not a bad legacy. Very true, and it, and it is. It's pretty sad that that was tarnished. Although it's not Pat Bowen's legacy who was tarnished, and I I believe that wholeheartedly. He had nothing to do. He didn't have his hands on anything that caused the Broncos to lose have back-to-back losing seasons the last two years so in my opinion Pavel and there was never back-to-back losing seasons during his ownership it it was an incredible incredible streak and also I mean just like Virginia Beach Broncos says that if fan bases have hope every single year that's how you sell out when people are excited and that's how you have a 15 or 20 year wait list Ryan I saw some someone today at the tribute. Uh, it was the Mile High Messiah, I yep. believe, who uh, is a massive fan, obviously, decked out. And uh, he just got his season tickets last year because he's been on the waiting list for 20 years. I mean, you look at that guy and you say, oh, he's had season tickets for 50 years. Well, he moved here at the er- in the early 90s, got on the waiting list right away, and just got his season tickets. It's because of this. It's because people don't give give up their season tickets. After one bad year, they say, oh, well, it's okay. We're going to bounce back. I know it because our history says it. 
Yeah, and I think the Broncos have gotten to the point where this fan base could never really dwindle. Um, you know, fan this fan base could get worn out, and I think we've seen that a little bit over the last three years. But the fan base is too strong and too deep to ever dwindle. This team's going to sell out the stadium for as long as they, you know, play football there. And like Joella said yesterday, the worst possible thing. This is what Pat Boland told him. The worst possible thing that could happen to this fan base is we get blacked out because we don't sell the stadium out. Never once happened. Nope. And it won't. It won't. All right, next one's from Sunny Rain. Hey, guys, just wanted to chime in about Mr. B. I remember back in 1984 when I heard there was a new owner and how worried I was about it. The Broncos were in a pretty good place over the last five or so years, and I didn't want to see anything happen to upset the momentum. When I finally caught a glimpse of the man on TV, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this guy looks straight up Hollywood. There's no way he's in this for football success. He's probably got a million other interests. I thought for sure Pat Bowen would be a mostly absent high roller owner. Thankfully, you can't judge a man by his shades and swaggy coolness. He went on to be the best owner in the NFL, hands down. Rest peacefully, Mr. Bowen. And yes, when it's time, Brittany should have the team. You know, Sonny Rain, I think that's a that's a great point. And I'm actually writing a story, uh, working on a story right now where I say that exact same thing about Pat. He he looks Hollywood. He did. He did. And I like that. I like that a lot. He he was cool. All right, next one's from Lax Freak. Said, I want to talk about Ryan's tweet about Adam Rank's video that the Broncos will go 2-14. and 14. What is he talking about? If this comes to pass, who is getting fired? Who is getting benched besides Flacco? When does Drew Locke start? And is it more likely that we go 2-14 and 14 or 12-4? and four? Thank you for tweeting this so I could have a good laugh today. Shaka. You know, I definitely think this is something that Perna will want to talk about as well. But if you want, should we go through these little questions he has about it? We're going to talk a lot about this tomorrow. So we'll answer these questions. You know, make sure that we remember who's getting fired, who's getting benched, when does Drew Locke start, because we're going to talk about this or heavily feature this tomorrow. Um, so keep that in mind. And, again, if you have questions for the great Brandon Perna, send them in as soon as you can, um, and we'll make sure that he has to answer them. And we'll take the entire question section off. If you guys come in with all questions for him, but I doubt that. <laughs> all right, before we move along, are you think thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there is zero upfront cost from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs of the remodel until your house closes. All you got to do is call 303-885-7888 today to find out what Houselift can do for you. In past jobs, they put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 in their pe- clients' pockets. And if you use one of their preferred realtors, they'll sell your house without charging a listing commission. All right, Zach. As we go on here, the next one is from Kodiak No Fly Zone. You want that one? It says, hey, guys, first stop. First off. I would like to say R.I.P. Mr. Bolin. Secondly, I couldn't think of a better person to write a nice poem about Mr. B other than Colin for Mullen. If you're out there, buddy, we need you. Damn, Colin for Mullins should change his name to Colin for Bolin. Oh, that's pretty darn good. So you're saying uh, Mullins is no longer in the future plans of the Broncos? Uh, probably not. Uh, probably not. Three for Mr. B. Four. Is for never taking your foot off the gas while scoring on a team. Huh. Celebrations are mandatory for winners. Ricky can, Bobby voice. We can never 
say anything on this podcast without it becoming a, a thing for at least a week. Just think, Zach, if you won a marathon, would you celebrate at the end? Just think if you won 13 back to back. <laughs> That's so different. It's so different. If you win a game, celebrate. Different. It's more like okay, th- you, this is- you're running a marathon against like fourth graders. Yep. And you beat them by like 13 miles. And uh, well, we'll just and you, equate- cartwe- you do cartwheels for the last mile. It was 13-0, right? The score of that game. Yep. So we'll say it was a half marathon, 13.1 miles. That's like after every mile, I'm raising a fourth grader. That's every mile I'm going up and I'm just dancing in their face. Maybe the first few were like, okay. We thought maybe the fourth grader had a chance. Actually, no. We never thought the fourth grader had you a had chance. You had me until you said in their face. They never danced in their face. Had a massive celebration in, right in front of them. Yeah, not not in their face. And I did that all 13 miles. All right. Can we not? Can we, can we be done with this? <laughs> he says Broncos question. You like that? Yes. What are the chances our offensive line is better than last year? I know we have Munchak, but I'm concerned that you guys were concerned on what you saw. Could this be more smoke and mirrors to not let much info out? Um, I'm confused on that last question. But the chances the offensive line is better than last year, very good. I think it's very good. You've upgraded the guard position. You've upgraded your right tackle. And you have a much better coach. I think you should be in a good position. Just based off injuries alone, injuries are going to happen. Just period. I'll, I'll touch wood, but still, injuries are going to happen. Last year was pretty awful with injuries. You lost three of your starters, two of them for the entire season. So that that alone, they should be better. Then you hired, just like you said, the best offensive line coach. You invested $15 million nearly in one player. You got Ron Leary back healthy, and you made, invested a second-round pick. It should very much be better. I think the last part of that question, could this be more smoke and mirrors to not let much info out? I think that's saying, like, did the Broncos tell their offensive line not to be very good this offseason so word didn't get out they were good? If I'm reading that right, and if so, Kodiak no fly zone, there's no way that happened. I'm not even going to take a stab at what it could possibly mean because I have no clue. The next one here comes in from OGMVP. It says, I saw a comment on CNN about every NFL team's red flags. I found this interesting that when looking at all the teams, there were three major ones throughout. One, the quarterback, specifically their health or consistency. This goes to the fact that Flacco is considered our red flag thoughts. The second most popular one was the offensive line, which makes me as a Broncos fan feel better about what we have because many other teams are struggling with the same issue. Third was the pass rush, and I know we have that taken care of. Another article I read said Walker was a prime candidate to be cut from the team. What does he have to do in the offseason slash preseason to stay on the roster? Personally, I feel bad for the guy because I don't believe he was given a fair shot with the last regime. As always, much appreciated, OG MVP. I don't feel the same sentiment about Demarcus Walker, about that he wasn't given a, a fair chance. He would have been given a chance if he had shown enough, especially when you're 6-10 and 10 and 5-11, and and you would have been able to, you would have been given a chance at the end of the year. I'm of the opinion that it's not possible to not get a fair chance once you're in between, once you've made it into a facility. As a second round pick, too. Especially as a second round pick, but I'm saying once you've made it in the facility, you have a chance. If you impress, look, these guys are, especially like Vance Joseph, this guy is coaching for his job. 
if you could do anything at all, you're going to get a chance. Um, so, yes, do higher draft picks get favorable treatment? Sure, but, I mean, let's look at Trevor Simeon. Damn near Mr. Irrelevant, but he was better than Paxton Lynch, so he got the starting job. You know, like, in the end, the coaches are trying to win games. So is Joe Flacco a red flag for this team? I don't like the term red flag. It's a Potent- question mark. Potential red it's flag. It's definitely a potential red, red flag. You, you can't tell me it's not, Ryan, especially if you're considering his health like this is. Yeah, he was hurt last year. Yeah, exactly. And he hasn't been very good since 2014. And that's funny. Aaron feels comfortable in the Broncos' offensive line, enough so to not consider it a red flag, when, of course, the comment we just had before was, it's the offensive line in shambles. If you're putting a red flag somewhere on the team, I would put it on the offensive line. It's got to be there. And then I think you can move back to Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, like I said, I just don't like the term red flag. I would go with question mark for Joe Flacco. And that's fair. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. He says, we need to talk <laughs> another one about Adam Rank and his projection of the Broncos being 2-14. and 14. We save it till tomorrow as well. Yeah, yeah. Again, we'll save it till tomorrow because we're gonna spend a whole segment, essentially, talking about this. So, uh, save it for tomorrow. We were we would have done it today, but obviously today was you know I think one more day to truly pay tribute to Mr. Bolin. And there's gonna be some fire and fun involved with this conversation. I can feel that one. Next one coming in from Mile High Salute says, "Hello, RK and Zach. I just subscribed, and you guys are awesome. Found you guys after I started listening to podcasts at work." I really enjoy the content and can't wait to read some articles. Best Bronco podcast out there. One, saddened for the loss of Mr. B. What a great legacy. The Hall of Fame may have messed up, but Mother Nature knew what to do and gave him the orange and blue sunrise. Number two, as for celebrations, celebrate all you want. Just understand it puts a target on your back. When you inevitably lose, don't cry and whine when that team celebrates all over you. If you can't handle that, I lose any respect for you, a.k.a. Cam Newton. Three, save for Mr. B. And then finally, keep up the great work, guys. Great comment. Welcome to the family. We are very, very happy to have you. And shout out to everyone who has joined recently. Um, We really appreciate your support. And uh, we are excited to see more and more comments in here every day from new guys. All right, this one's from Foco OG. Hey, guys. Here's the part of my comment that got skipped to make time for honoring Mr. B. Totally worth it. It had a little more relevance at the time, but it's still worth a read. First off, I wanted to apologize for Ryan if it seemed I was accusing him of, of supporting the idea of playing child abusers for the sake of winning. I only encouraged the Hill comment so you could elaborate on where the line is drawn on win at any cost, the win on any cost principle. You did elaborate, and after clarifying, clarifying your stance, I'm with you 100%. Celebrate every goal, but stay classy. Yeah, you guys are really just celebrating this a little too much right now. I, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, the, you want to win and you want to have fun doing it. Just avoid people like Tyree Kill in the process. It's always a good rule. All right. He goes on. I know I promised short and sweet comments from now on, but I wanted to tell you guys my Super Bowl 48 story. It should make for decent podcast content during the football dry spell. I was visiting my cousin and fellow Broncos fan in North Carolina for the Super Bowl, and we had just planned to order some pizza uh, and junk food to do a low-key watching with just family. Until my aunt informs us of, of a standing invitation from a friend described as a get-together as a few fr- with a few friends, as well as free food. We decided to go, and we got there, 
It was nothing close to a get-together. It was a full-on house party. Tons of people. Mountains of food. Open bar, and the game was on four different TVs in three different rooms. This all sounds great, but the problem was that we stuck out like a sore thumb, because everyone there was an African-American, and every single one of them was repping the Seahawks. Oh, man. Okay. He says, I'm not racist, but it's important to mention as we stood out there much more as the only five white people in blue and orange in the house. I had to read ahead a little bit. Uh, we all know how the game went, and my family and I suffered the worst persecution I've ever experienced watching football, including a drunk dude in a referee uniform throwing a flag at us every time the O-line got a holding call. Oh, my Damn, God. That's so savage. <laughs> Brutal. Needless to say, we bailed at halftime to finish the game at home. This wasn't crazy enough. The next morning, my aunt got a call from her friend that hosted the, repart uh, the party and reported that every car parked out front of her house the night before had their tires slashed when they came out. And, of course, everyone suspected the Broncos fans who ditched at halftime did it. Oh, my. Yikes. Wow. Luckily, my aunt declared our innocence and convinced them we didn't do it. However, during all of this, I never had an issue with Seahawks celebrating every touchdown. <laughs> it was the fans themselves I couldn't stand. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Highlight of my day every day. Ryan, what game was that? Super Bowl 48. It's a freaking Super Bowl. Oh, what are you going for here? It was a Super Bowl. What is your point? This was Thailand. Thailand, who the U.S. knew was trash. They wish they were Thailand, their lost land. So, so different, but that <laughs> that's a... That doesn't sound like a fun place to be I was because uh, of just how – I mean, someone throwing a flag at you? That's, that's intense. This is a little over the top, actually. That's, a, <laughs> that's that, the part where I was like, whoa. You're asking for a fight in that situation. Yeah. I mean, that person was obviously taking advantage of the open bar. And the 40-point lead, whatever <laughs> it was, 35-point lead. Uh, I was watching that game just 100 feet away from where we are right now. Mm. And – I hate even bringing it up. It was the most depressing thing I've ever seen because this place, the Blake Street Tavern, if you haven't been here, it's the biggest bar in Denver. I'm talking, I, you know, you've heard that ad. You could land a 747 in this building. <laughs> there was not an inch where anyone could move. And about 10 minutes into the game, you could have heard a straw hit the ground across the entire bar. Wow. And it stayed that way. The entire game the, the fans uh, by the time the broncos finally scored a touchdown no one even cheered wow it was brutal wow my uh cable went out two hours before the game wow what a blessing no i'm freaking out the the whole time before the game uh, on the phone trying to get it back up uh they're like yeah it's gonna be up in you know half an hour half an hour comes it's not up I'm like, oh my god what are we gonna do so run over to someone else's house right before it starts already panicked and then the panic went, you know, skyrocketed in the first quarter. And then once, once the first playoff after halftime, it's like, okay, you just sit back and take it. Yeah. My only reason for staying the whole game was I wanted to – well, I, I don't leave things early. They're just a general thing of mine. But I guess the only reason why I was still intrigued by the game – was I played the little squares <laughs> thing here, and the pot was like $500. So I was really excited to try and win that. Was there a happy ending? There was no happy ending. Uh, In fact, it was sad, and all my friends were mad at me that I made them stay. <laughs> There's no Robert Kraft ending. Wow. Last one here is from Warmack14. Hey, guys, love to hear you all pay respect to Mr. B as well as hearing the stories about him. 
I lost my grandfather who raised me and introduced me to the Broncos on Thursday as well. Hearing all the stories of Mr. B helped bring back many memories of my grandpa and me watching games and talking Broncos together. So thank you for that. And we're really sorry for your loss. Yeah, very sorry. And we're, we're really happy that, you know, you share that with us because we are a community. So, Warmack, we're here for you. Hopefully he and uh, he and Mr. B are cheersing a beer right now. Sharing the the a little bit more of orange and blue up there. Exactly. Uh, he says, I listened to my first set of audio stories today, and I have to tell you, it is so nice to have something to fill the void when the pod comes to an end. My commute, yard work, and morning jogs will be much more enjoyable. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Uh, well, like we said, we're so happy to have you on board, and so happy to hear this. I mean, you guys love the audio stories, the initial feedback. We absolutely love to hear that, and it's just something else that we're trying to do to provide the best the best coverage that you guys can have and we really will turn over every single rock that there is that exists to try and find a way to make the coverage better for you and and this is just the first in a long line of things we'll be doing so uh really appreciate all of your feedback on that and keep it coming and if you don't like it that's fine you just don't listen that's my favorite part about it nothing changed here you know right you could absolutely hate the audio stories i think it's the dumbest idea of all time and just all you have to do is scroll what one centimeter further because there's a little audio player at the top but for people who do like it if you want you can never read another article again (laughs) yep exactly you can hear our beautiful voices all right zach well i just refreshed this and there are no buzzer beaters yep that me as well so you know what that means next time we're talking to you we'll have a third member with us we will have the great brandon perna on this podcast and that is going to be a hoot Oh, it's going to be so much fun. We have fun on this podcast. I think we might have a little extra fun tomorrow. (laughs) So, again, if you have anything that you want us to ask, Brandon, send it in. Uh, If you haven't, if you aren't familiar with Brandon Perna, just go watch one of his YouTube videos. Uh, Be prepared to be shocked, probably. I think he gets a lot of shock value in his videos. But uh, he's a big-time Broncos fan who is just like you guys and cares a lot about the team and is really darn funny at the same time. So, We'll catch you tomorrow with Brandon Perna on the podcast. And until then, have a great day. Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. 
These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. 